Do you know what Jesus said in his first sermon, his very first sermon? Can anybody tell me what he said? What did Jesus say? Ah, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. Let's hear some parables about the kingdom of heaven. Our scripture this morning is taken from the New Testament on page 14. It's Matthew uh, 13, 31 through 33, and then 44 through 52. Can you hear me okay? Sort of, kind of. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is greater, the greatest of the shrubs, and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its branches. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Now going to verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes, he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea, and it caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of God for the people of God. Oh, go one more paragraph. One more paragraph. One more paragraph. Yep, go one more. Okay. Okay. He came to his hometown. No. Excuse me. Okay. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. So if you were doing to describe the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, same thing, to someone else, what would you say? A place? A state of being? A dream? I told the king, kids that the kingdom of heaven was a place where God was king, but I have to admit that I wasn't really happy with that description. It's just kind of a hard concept to explain. And yet, clearly, it's an important concept. Not only was Jesus' first sermon lifting up the kingdom of heaven and saying it's come near, but he spends an awful lot of time talking about it in the Gospels. In fact, it seems to be the main thrust of his teaching. 
Unfortunately, there's no place in the gospel where Jesus actually spells out what he means by the kingdom of heaven. Instead, he uses parables, short stories that compare the kingdom of heaven to things in everyday life in order to tease our minds into active thought, to quote New Testament scholar C.H. Dodd. That's interesting because many of the parables in Matthew 13 are so familiar that we don't really give them much thought at all. When these kingdom stories show up on a Sunday morning, we're likely to shrug our shoulders and think, oh yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I've heard it before. Today, I I hope that you pay a little attention and see if these parables, these familiar parables do tease your mind a bit. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I love the ending image of this parable, the birds nesting in the branches of the mustard tree, except that mustard plants don't grow into trees. Depending on the variety, they can get pretty tall, but they're not really hefty enough to support a nest. You'd think that Jesus would have chosen a more substantial, more majestic tree to describe the kingdom of heaven, an oak or maybe one of the cedars of Lebanon that the Old Testament is always talking about. And there's another thing about the mustard plant. It's a weed, a trash plant that easily takes over. Think Bermuda grass or oxalis or dandelions. No one would want to deliberately sow such a seed in their field, not unless they wanted a lot of mustard in that field and everywhere else. And the kingdom of God of heaven is like that? Hmm. Jesus also says it's like yeast. I really like this parable. Not only is a woman featured, which does my heart good, But I also like it because I like to bake bread. The working of the yeast is this little miracle that happens, and I love the way it tastes. Oh, yeah, it's good. (laughs) It's good. When we get together with friends for dinner, I often bring yeast rolls to share. But this woman, this woman is making enough bread for a feast. Three measures of flour is enough to make something like 100 loaves. That's a lot of flour. (laughs) And listen to this. The original Greek doesn't say that she mixed the yeast into the flour. It says that she hid it in the flour. And here's something else. It was actually pretty daring for Jesus to use yeast as a stand-in for the kingdom of heaven. Bear in mind that we aren't talking about the little square packets that you get in the store. We're talking about a bit of rotten bread. That's how people created yeast for their baking. They put aside a piece of bread and let it spoil. And they had to be really careful about how far that spoilage went. Uh, Too little, and it wouldn't cause the dough to rise. Too much, and you're talking food poisoning. No wonder people of Jesus' day thought of yeast as corrupt, impure, something you don't want in your home when you're getting ready for Passover. A woman had to clean all the yeast out of her home before she could celebrate the Passover feast. It wasn't allowed. It was unholy. To compare the kingdom of heaven to yeast would have been disgusting, 
even offensive to those who listen to Jesus. And the kingdom of heaven is like that? Hmm. The next parable is about a man who finds a treasure buried in a field. Oh, the idea of buried treasure has always captured the human mind. Think of Treasure Island or more recently, Pirates of the Caribbean. There are no pirates in this tale, of course. Just a plowman, perhaps, whose plow blade turns up some coins or some other valuables that have been hidden in that field for safekeeping, a common practice in those days. Once this man realizes what's there, he wastes no time but covers up his fine, then sells everything he has to buy that field. Everything. In his joy, the story goes, he sells it all, holding nothing back. Either that was quite a treasure or that man was hoping to find other things in that field. And you can be sure that he didn't breathe a word to the person who owned that field when he offered to buy it. Pretty savvy, huh? And kind of sneaky, maybe even dishonest. And the kingdom of heaven is like this? Hmm. There's no dishonesty in the next parable. This one's about a merchant who deals in pearls, as natural pearls are very rare. Someone who did well in this business would have been very wealthy. The pearl that ultimately caused this merchant to sell all his holdings must have been valuable indeed, but you have to wonder about his business practices and maybe his sanity. Who would pellet themselves out of business for a single pearl? And the kingdom of heaven is like this? Hmm. So what might those parables tell us about the kingdom of heaven? I don't pretend to know all the answers. Parables have multiple layers, but let me give it a shot. The first two parables obviously tell of things that are small but make a huge impact. Tiny seeds grow into nests bearing trees, mustard or not. Yeast leavens a huge amount of flour. These parables seem to say that the kingdom of God may, much, may not seem much like, now, like much now, but its ultimate impact will be great, even immeasurable. At the same time, these parables suggest that the growth or work of the kingdom is both hidden and unstoppable. Seeds are covered over. Yeast that is mixed into flour becomes indistinguishable. And once the kingdom of heaven takes root, its spread cannot be stopped. Once it begins to ferment, things will rise. If that makes us uncomfortable, so be it, Jesus says. God does not seek to maintain the status quo much as we like it. But like an invasive plant, God pushes into our carefully cultivated ways of thinking and doing and challenges us to make room for something new and surprising. Like the yeast in bread, God infiltrates our lives and risks offending us with unabashed love and mercy and forgiveness and then calls us to do the same. Warren Carter uh, made me sit up and pay attention when I read his thoughts on how these parables reflect the activity of Jesus himself. 
he writes, though the gospel narrative presents him doing many works of preaching and healings that manifest God's empire, there's only so much one person can do. Jesus' activity is confined to Galilee, mostly, and for a limited period of time. Some people, notably the Romalide elites, do not seem to embrace his ministry and do not discern any of God's purposes in him, preferring to think of him as an agent of the devil. Catherine Matthew adds, Could it be that our, incon- that our considerable efforts to avoid offense in the life of the church and in its ministry run the risk of neutralizing the gospel Jesus embodied? If he didn't give offense, why would, why, would he have been crucified by the powers that be with the crowd shouting its approval? Yet this is the man that we proclaim to be our Lord and our Savior. If that makes you feel a little uncomfortable, well, the next parables aren't going to help much. Jesus seemed to be using the stories of the farmer or the the man finding a buried treasure and the merchant buying a pearl to tell us that this kingdom of heaven, this invasive presence, this disruptive force is a treasure worth more than anything we have, a pearl for which we must sell everything, risk everything, give everything. They also seem to suggest that sometimes we uncover the kingdom and sometimes it finds us. We get brave and walk into a church and discover that we have come home. We hear about a place that will take care of our kids and we are so thankful, so thankful for the break that we can't help but look more at this place. We're invited to a meeting by a friend and find ourselves helping to lead an event that brings people together to talk about racism. We agree to make a meal for the hungry and end up cooking one every month. We decide to read the Bible, even though we don't believe in God, and find ourselves falling in love with Jesus. We are nurtured and encouraged by a church family and discover a vocation that we never dreamed of. Almost without our knowing it, our lives change, and suddenly we find ourselves doing and saying things that seem as crazy as giving everything we have for a field or a single pearl. Suddenly we are sharing what we have with others and caring for the poor, speaking up for what is right and preaching in a pulpit. Suddenly we find ourselves taking risks that we never imagined, giving more than we ever felt we could, and even in times of frustration and uncertainty and struggle, there is blessing and joy and hope. If nothing else, the kingdom stories of Jesus promise us that even though God's reign may seem to be absent, Even though we can't see any evidence for it now, the kingdom has come near in the person of Jesus Christ, and it is in our midst right here and right now, working in unexpected ways and through unlikely people. For like a dragnet that is hidden in the sea, the kingdom of heaven expands to reach anyone and everyone drawing all people into the realm of God's love and grace. And you never know how God might be moving in someone else's life or in your own.
One day the kingdom of heaven will be revealed in all its glory and wonder. In the meantime, we are to be like the scribes of Jesus' day, knowing and studying scriptures, but also opening our mind and hearts to the Holy Spirit and watching for the new things that God is doing in our world and in our lives. So where do we look? Barbara Brown Taylor suggests that though the kingdom of heaven is hidden, it is hidden in plain view. In the last place, she writes, that any of us would think to look, namely in the ordinary circumstances of our everyday lives, like a silver spoon in the drawer with the stainless, like a diamond necklace on the bureau with the rhinestones, the extraordinary hidden in the ordinary, the kingdom of heaven all mixed in with the humdrum and ho-hum of our lives, as easy to find as an amaryllis bulb in a dark basement that suddenly shoots up a sprout, or a child's smile when she wakes from sleep, or the first thunderstorm after a long drought, all of them signs of the kingdom of heaven, clues to all the holiness hidden in our dullest of days. So the parables of the kingdom of the heaven of heaven tell us. Thanks be to God. Amen.